There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello, I'm Sophie Ellis-Bexter and welcome to Spinning Plates, the podcast where I speak to busy working women who also happen to be mothers about how they make it work. I'm a singer and I've released seven albums in between having my five sons aged 16 months to 16 years, so I spin a few plates myself. Being a mother can be the most amazing thing, but can also be hard to find time for yourself and your own ambitions. I want to be a bit nosy and see how other people balance everything. Welcome to Spinning Plates. Hello, my darling people. Um, I speak to you from the past. It's uh, Sunday, Sunday, the 21st of November. And I'm walking across the windy green with Jesse and Ray. We're off to the cinema, aren't we, guys? Yeah. Gonna go and see. We're gonna see Ghostbusters. Gonna see Ghostbusters, that should be cool. It's a new movie. It is a new movie, yeah, it should be fun. Yeah, we're not seeing the old one, although that's brilliant. and I greet you at the beginning of, oh my goodness, my 50th podcast. 50! That's absolutely loads. So, so proud and chuffed. What a brilliant thing. Thank you so much for giving me the space to do it. You know how much I loved in this. Yes, Jess? I can Jess. literally see a kid by himself on his bike. Really? Yeah. He's probably got a parent with him somewhere, darling. Um, okay. Yeah, he has, actually. I can see who this he's with. Um, he does. He does, Jess. Anyway. Um, no, he does. Okay, Jess. I see where he's, the people he's with. They're the people walking across the green that way. Um, anyway, this has been a pretty amazing week. Uh, so on Tuesday morning at half past nine, I started my BBC Children in Need 24-hour kitchen disco dance-a-thon. And I'm not going to lie, I was really nervous before I started. Oh, that's the train. Sorry, Richard. He hates it when I record these things outside where it's all noisy. Um... Yeah, I was so, so nervous. I just thought, what if I'm not in the right mood? And I had a bit of a cold, which I know is boring and I know doesn't stop play for anyone. 
It's just kind of inconvenient because I felt all snivelly and throaty. But anyway, what an amazing thing. Literally no complaints from me. I felt very, um, very lucky actually to have that opportunity and so much support and love. Um, you know, just to be able to be part of such a big fundraiser. I've never had done anything on that scale before in my entire life. And I honestly wasn't really sure how I was going to feel. It's quite abstract, isn't it? The idea of doing anything for 24 hours with no sleep. But I'm so happy I got to do it dancing. And I kept my love affair with the music and the dance all the way through. So that's good. Obviously, genuinely like it. That's a relief. Um, and I had guests come and join me. My brother came with his girlfriend at like 1.30 in the morning. My friend Neris, my friend Lauren, my friend Nikki was with me a lot of it. Richard stayed for the entire thing, which was incredible. Oh, yeah, Ray still got his wristband, haven't you, Ray, from coming on to meet me at the end? You guys were with me at the end. What did you think of Mummy's dancing? Good. Thanks, Jess. What did you think, Ray? It was okay. <laughs> I think that's a comment probably on the quality of my dancing, which I totally understand. Um, anyway, yeah, I'm thrilled it all went well and very proud I got to do it. Sorry? My dancing better than yours. Oh, Jesse, that was never in dispute. Uh, <laughs> it's funny, we just walked past the charity shop and they've got some of my old dresses in the window and I always feel like that's a special compliment. Like, thank you, guys. Glad you like what I gave you. Great. I know, Advent calendars. Um, so anyway, if you donated, if you sent me a message, if you tuned in for two seconds, if you supported the dance on in any which way, I promise I felt the love. And I, the last count, I believe the fundraiser has done over 1.3 million, which is absolutely insane. How generous a folk. And that's on top of Owen Wynne Evans' incredible 3.6 million for children in need from his drumathon. So, you know, people have dug very deep because that's two really big things. And I'm really, yes, thank you so much. Just grateful, really. And I can tell you it's gone to a very good place, your money. And that brings me to today's guest, which is Stacey, who is the project lead at a place called Bonnie Downs, a community centre that I visited. It receives children in need fundraising. And she is exactly the right person to speak to about all of the above. She's a brilliant woman, really dynamic. You know when you meet someone only briefly and they're really charismatic and clearly smart and forward-looking, positive... Uh, whatever the traffic uh, so it was an absolute pleasure to invite her over to chat and now I will share that with you so we're going to talk you all through um, I suppose living with poverty essentially is a running th thread because Newham where Bonnie Downs Community Centre is is the second poorest borough in the UK so it's a place that has food banks has lots of support for the community in any which way whether it be how to you know know the legal process of being an asylum seeker, being an immigrant, getting work, getting access to benefits. Um, you're here for yourself. And um, I can only apologise for the bit at the beginning where my brain was... Basically, we recorded this on Thursday, so the day after I'd done the dance -a my brain not functioning quite. <laughs> it was, like, definitely below par. But Stacey was brilliant and informative and 
Yeah, it's exactly the right person. I'm very, very happy that she came and said yes and spoke to me. So if you have supported children in Egypt, to hear about what your money is doing at one of the projects it funds. And if you haven't, it's still, it's still really good as an eye-opener to how so many people in this country are living. We're a first-world country, but, you know, there's lots of stuff not to be proud of and lots of work to be done. Anyway, I will see you on the other side, over to the far more articulate Stacey. That's the lab. See you in a bit. It's really good to see you, and thank you so much for coming to speak to me. Um, I had the idea to invite you uh, to do the podcast, actually, when I met you. Um, and then, obviously, I asked you a couple of days later, so I'm just really chuffed. And it's nice to see you again. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I mean, honestly, <laughs> you're thanking me. I should be thanking you after your amazing dance <laughs> that you only finished yesterday. I'm just sitting here worried that you had enough time to sleep and, Yeah, you know. well... Um, and as I've already told you, so I feel like yeah. I might as well put it on, on recording. Yeah. I've just, I thought I was really doing really well <laughs> until about sort of 20 minutes ago yeah. when we were chatting and um, talking about kids and mm. this morning. And I, I, I'd promised uh, the children I'd take school. I don't know about your lot, but mine yeah. get very keen, especially my nine-year-old and six-year-old. They always want to know, are you putting us to bed or are you taking us yeah. to school? Those are the two bookends of the day. So I have to prep them because I'm on tour a bit at the moment as well. I've been missing bits of that. So I said to them, so long as I can walk after dancing, <laughs> I'll take you to school on the Thursday morning. Got up this morning, my alarm at 6.45, dealt with the 12-year-old, all fine, next two down, got them ready, walked them to school. So I did like an hour of walking, came back. I was like, yes, I am I'm firing winning. on all yeah. cylinders. <laughs> chatting to you and I, re <laughs> I realised my 17-year-old... Um, I'd forgotten to wake him, so I've just woken him up now. <laughs> Hopefully he'll come down in a minute. So I've got to write an email to say to the school that I forgot that. So maybe I'm not coping quite well, as well as I as thought. we said, you've got a pretty valid excuse, I think, mm. for, for dropping the ball slightly. But, yeah, um, that's definitely yeah. what I've done. Um, but, you know, what's really funny about the fundraiser, and I totally didn't... Under, I underestimated this was going to happen hugely, mm. because when you're prepping for something... I mean, I've never done anything endurance like mm. at all in my whole life. And um, so when I was preparing for the dance-a-thon, I was thinking a lot about me and how my body would fare and how my mind would fare and what songs would be playing and how mm. I'd feel at this point. And actually what was really sort of interesting and extraordinary, and I'm sure like people who've done fundraising would completely resonate with them, is the more my battery ran out the more I started thinking more about the reason why I was doing it. Mm. And honestly, you and the people oh. I met at Bonnie Downs, they were like right here in my, I could sort of see you on my peripheral vision. And there was a point at about 6.30 in the morning. So I still had three hours to go. Mm. But, you know, the, the, the finish line was sort of, you know, somewhere in the distance. And um, I went live to BBC Breakfast and they showed me like a little montage of everything that had been happening in the 21 hours. And I started to feel a bit weepy. And then I started telling them about coming to see you, actually, oh, on, on wow. there. And, and I was thinking about the woman that I was speaking to. And you'll have to remind me her name, but she was the lady that was the asylum seeker with the Larifa. three... Larifa. Yeah. Larifa, yeah. yeah. So um, 
Can you tell me a little bit about Louise from the conversation I had with her? Because I was, I thought she, it really, she really stayed with me. Oh gosh, yeah, Larifa um, is just such an incredible woman. I mean, when I think of kind of resilience and determination, I just think of Larifa. She's she's incredible. So the reason why I thought of Larifa and mm. why I wanted you to tell me a bit about her was because for me, she summed up. The significance of Bonnie Downs, which is the community mm. centre that you're part of in the, in, yeah. in Newham, and um, I thought the way that she's the significance of that. So basically, I'm sorry, my my words were coming out in the wrong order, but the fundraising for children in need, Bonnie Downs is one of the projects that receives the mm. fundraising, and when you hear about a community centre, it's actually quite easy to just think of it as terms of. Oh, that's lovely that they have, you know, certain things for the community that are going to help people on their way. But you don't really think of it as encapsulating so much emotion and significance with people. Yeah. So when Narifa was talking about her journey as a, mm-hmm. an asylum seeker, um, she was worried about um, her teenage daughter. Yes. Well, I suppose at the time, maybe mm-hmm. she wasn't teenage, but yeah. the, the fact that there was a sort of FGM possibility yes. on the horizon for her daughter. Yeah. So she finds herself now in in London in the second poorest borough in the country mm. with three young children. So I thought, yeah, if you could tell me your side mm. of her story, I suppose. Yeah, of course. So I think you've just kind of touched on it a little bit. So at, at Bonnie Town, so you're right, we offer some real practical support. Um, but for us, it's so much more than that. And um Funny enough, the, be- the best way for me to describe it is um, we actually had... So you met most of the team when you came um, to see us. So you met Andrew and Carla and Pear. And um, we've just had uh, another wonderful local woman, Justina, join us. And she joined on Monday. So we had a team meeting oh. and we're just talking a little bit about um, the project. And, you know, w- one of the things that we spoke about was how... Um, love needs to almost be the vein that runs through the heart of the project, really. Um, because if, you've, if you can't kind of offer that care and that welcome, um, then the practical stuff just turns you into a bit of a distribution centre. Do you yes. see what I mean? So, um, and I think, for, for, you know, for Larifa, that's what she needed. She needed, like, real sisterhood around her. She needed people to just really be able to listen to her, you know, to sit, to like hold her hand, really just let her be able to just chat through all of the challenges, um, all of the things she was really worried about. And as well as us being like, okay, well, let's think about some of the practical bits we can do. It was just about being there as that as that support, really. Yeah. And especially when she is so far from home mm. and... And so I think just being able to just be be sisters, be friends, be just... Yeah, I mean, she spoke so beautifully about us. I was just yeah. blown away. She said you were angels. I know, right? Yeah. And that it was just like, no, you're an angel to us. Just like the fact that you're willing to come and let us share life with you and yeah. be part of your life. Um, I mean, she's incredible. She's doing an amazing job. I mean, a single mum, yeah. raising three children, Um you know, and unfortunately, she is caught within a very hostile system. Mm. So she, because she is going through part of the asylum process, she she has lived in Newham for two years. So again, really journeyed with us and got twenty four hours notice to move right across the other side of London. Yeah, which is um, just extraordinary. Yeah, and they can they can 
can do that yeah. as such, really. And no matter how much fuss we, you know, kicked up in support of her and how much she pleaded, they were like, well, we can still do it. And for her, it wasn't about practicalities of how she was going to get kids to school, nursery, etc. It was the fact that that was her, mm. that was her family, that mm. was her. So bless her heart, like when she drops the kids off, she comes and, you know, and she's with us and... Because, yeah, that's, that's what's important for her, is just having people to journey with her. Yeah, and I think you've summed um, up really well when you say it stops it just being... It's not just the practical, it's the emotional. Yeah. I guess that's... <coughs> excuse me, what I was trying to get at, really, is that mm-hmm. when you think of a community centre, you sometimes think of it as, like, a, like a resource. Yes. Like this yeah. is another resource that you have. Yeah. But actually... Community is really the thing that's the significant part of the mm. of the word, really, you know, the, the, the phrase, because community is the glue. Yeah. <coughs> Finding a place to talk to other people, to be with other people, um, mm. the significance of that. So, yeah, I definitely had Bonnie Downs, like, right oh, there with me. Oh, gosh, we were with you. Thank solidarity, you. solidarity, yeah. <coughs> and Larifa's story is just one story to illustrate something that, you know, there must be many Larifas that you've met yeah. along the way. Yeah. How long have you been part of Bonnie Downs? So... I've, so Bonnie Downs is an exception. So the Community Association was um, birthed in 1998 and it was birthed by Bonnie Downs Church. So it was Bonnie Downs Church's way. So they've got a very old little building actually on my road. And they were like, we want to create, as you said, a space and a resource for the community. And so the place that you visited, the well on Vicarage Lane, that used to be an old drinking club. Really? There. Yeah. So I sat in there as a child because on that road, so my nan lived three doors down. So uh. it's really lovely. When I pull up to work every morning, I'm right by my nan and granddad's old house. And um, so that used to be a, like a drinking club and it was abandoned overnight. They didn't pay their brewery fees. And so our church, I mean, I, I wasn't part of the church back then, but Bonnie Downs Church just said, right, we want to try and claim that building and got in touch with the council and fundraised. Um, I think they started off with about five grand of savings, but the whole renovation was about half a million pounds or something. Oh, wow. So, yeah, they had to really pour, you know, their own time and commitment into stripping back that building, knocking walls down, you know, um, getting what resources they could from local people um, and fundraising. And so they opened Bonnie Downs in 1998. I came along in about 2012. So, So I was very aware of Bonnie Downs and went along to be part of the community when I could, but I was working at that point in my life um, in Hatton Garden, in a jeweller's. That was oh, really? my background. Yeah, that was my background. And then I left there when I became pregnant with Lottie. Um, Lottie's your eldest. She is my She's eldest, yeah. This week. She's right. 11 on Saturday. Um, so I was pregnant with her when I left my my job in Hatton Garden. And um, just, yeah, I, I felt that I was really fortunate, really, that I I mean, I wanted to be at home with Lottie. I also felt I'd outgrown my role a little bit um, with what I was doing. And um, yeah, and and we was in a position where I was able to be at home with Lottie. Um, Matt was working full time. And so I started to go to the toddler groups and things that I'd heard about through the church, this work that, you know, Bonnie Downs was doing. I was able to actually physically be part of it, which was lovely. And skip back about four years before that, um, 
I was helping out in the Sunday school at Bonnie Downs Church and someone said to me, oh, you're quite good with kids. And I was like, really? Like, <laughs> are you sure? And they were like, yeah, why don't you think about... Um, and I'm quite a creative person as well. I like to visually build things. And they said, why don't you look at, um, you know, maybe doing a childcare course, like if you're thinking that you don't want to be doing the jewellery stuff forever... So myself and my friend Sarah, who's actually now the um, managing director at Bonnie Downs, we both did a like, level four management in childcare qualification. And I was really nervous about that because I'd left school at 15 with no desire to ever put pen to paper ever again in any kind of study form. But did that. So then you know coming back to before you'd had kids that you before did, I'd had you? kids that yeah. I did it and so then when I had Lottie and was around in the community Bonnie Downs approached me and said well why don't you and Sarah think about pioneering a after-school club for parents um so again kind of keeping the ethos of having affordable high quality childcare for um for children to go to so parents could work Mm. Um, so that was my first role within Bonnie Downs. But around that, Sarah, who I, who I just spoke about, and Angie, um, they were already kind of doing things like toddler groups and support for parents and children. And so I part so my role, my first role within Bonnie Downs was starting off the after school care. Um, Although literally the first few months into, well, even before we'd opened the doors, I found out I was pregnant with my second, with James. Um, and so as soon as I'd started the after school club, I had to hand it over um, and go on maternity leave, which for me as a mum, I was really cross about that. <laughs> with, I was really cross with God, actually. I was like, for goodness sake, God, you know how hard I've worked on this, like, why would you do this to me? And I really felt God say, yeah, and you thought you were in control of your life, love. Do you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, so I went off pregnant with James. But actually, that worked really well because as I then went, you know, back on maternity leave with a two-year-old and a newborn, I thought, actually, as much as I love being part of the after-school club and working with the children there, I love being around in the community. Mm. And it was around that time as well that Bonnie Downs was launching um, a food bank in response to the increased poverty within our area. So Angie, who was managing the children and families work with Sarah, she became very, very cool. So it was when a lot of the um, changes in government happened and benefit changes shifted and there were things such as bedroom tax and... So it's like 2015? 20, about 2012 maybe. Okay. It, was, it was around that time. We opened our food bank in 2013. Um, and it was around that time that we... that The Children and Families Project... I remember the bedroom tax, all that stuff. It's just... Yeah, all, all of that kind of came about. And it felt like the Children and Families Project were being really hit by a wave of people not really knowing who to turn to and mm. feeling like... Um, yeah, financially, um, they felt very, very insecure. Yeah. Um, so we almost felt like we saw this real wave of, of, of poverty happening. Um, and in response to that, Angie kind of naturally moved out of a children and families role and started a support programme within Bonnie Downs, which very much focused on food banks, debt advice, um, you know, welfare support. And I then very naturally moved into her role in around, um, you know, a lot of the fun 
fun stuff at first, really, like the running toddler groups and yeah. the um, craft groups for parents. Um, so that, yeah, that happened all with James and Lottie. And they were still really little. Tow, really. So is that yeah. project manager, is that your yeah, official yeah. title? So that, that, yeah, well, well now, um, now at the moment, I... Um, I oversee, um, so Andrea and Carla have moved into that role now mm. as project manager. And I, we've since then um, birthed a brand new youth project as well. So I oversee um, all, any, anything children and family like that happens at Bonnie Downs. Because mm. as you saw as well, Sophie, we're launching a new nursery I know. in January. You came to <clears throat> and you room. saw it. So that's my role really, to just oversee from the nursery, the children and families and the youth. Yeah. Um, but mm. yeah, and it's lovely. And I think my, but my favourite part of that, where it would be really easy to be stuck in a room and doing admin and all of the stuff that comes with reports and budgets and things, um, being with people is what gives me energy. Yeah. Um, so my favourite day is Thursday, which is family hub. Yeah. <laughs> I remember family hub chat. Yeah, it's my favourite day, yeah, for lots of reasons. Yeah, we do get to eat really good food. But um, so that was actually birthed out of the pandemic, the, mm. um, the, the family hub. So when the pandemic hit, last March. It feels hmm. like a lifetime ago, doesn't I know, it? I know, I know. It, the time has gone very strangely, yeah, hasn't it, in the last it really has. Um, so when we hit that first lockdown in March, so Bonnie Downs quickly evolved because I, I, you know, I work for the Children and Families Project at Bonnie Downs, but as I said, we have a support project, we mm. have an over-65s project, we have a gardening project, we have a sports project. So... The idea is that we really want to make sure that there is something for mm. everyone within the community to um, to be part of. And um, so we found that in March, a lot of that we couldn't do. And we evolved as quickly as we could into what our community mm. needed us to be. And that ended up being a food distribution hub. Um, so, because around that time, I mean, COVID really hit, didn't it? You had people who were really being told, I mean, we're all being told to stay at home, right? But there were people who literally couldn't leave the home because of shielding. Mm -hmm. Like, there were people that were catching it, <laughs> left, right and centre. And um, so I think we, did, we ended up doing like lots of deliveries to people's houses with food parcels. And there was this moment, actually, where... There was lots of our team members who had to shield because of, you know, underlying illnesses. There were lots of those who needed to be kind of, you know, sat at home in front of a laptop trying to work out strategically how this worked. Mm. And there were people who were actually really poorly with COVID. Mm. And then some that had to be furloughed. Yes. And I think at one point there was about five kind of paid members of Body Dad staff literally on the ground. And we were... We had our excess stock from the food bank and it really didn't look like anything to look at. And we were thinking, we've got at least 30 families to deliver to. How on earth are we going to do this in our little cars yeah. and with what we have? And it was amazing, Sophie. It was people from the community came with bags of food. There were sadly some people who they knew their business was going to go under because mm. of covid so they came and donated things like cleaning products and food we had local hotels you had to shut and before you knew it we just had the most amazing hall full of food wow. 
that we were able to send out to people. And then there were people within our community who got in touch and said, I've been furloughed and I really want to, or I've, you know, I've not been furloughed or maybe like life has just stopped for me. I really want to be able to, you know, support the community at the moment whatever ways I can. And we had so many volunteers offering to drive, offering... So people mm. who were even working from home in their lunch break would come and pick up a parcel or two for someone That's and drive amazing, food out. And looking back now, it feels like a really odd operation. We had to, like, wash it Because we didn't know. We were I all know. learning yeah, yeah. about extraordinary, this really. virus together. So we yeah. were, like, washing things and anti-backing things and sending it out and... But alongside that as well, as we said, alongside the practical side of it, I mean, we delivered, I think, uh, to like over 5,000 people, yeah, between wow. March and whenever it was, March and July, I think it was, March to July. Um, but it was also about how do we keep, you know, we were aware that there are families living in really overcrowded conditions. We are aware of families living in you know, domestic violence situations. We're aware of people who are just going to be so lonely. So it's like, how do yeah. we keep that, you know? Especially in lockdown, I think this is the thing that, you know, um, for some, you know, whilst you're protecting for the greater good, some in some, you know, very mm. um, specific situations, it's really um, very far from what's yeah. needed to happen is, is being, being stuck at home. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bet get 30, bet get 20, 20, 20, bet get 20, 20, bet get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a It's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. But I was thinking lots of things when you were talking. I mean, firstly, I think it's pretty phenomenal that you left school at 15 with no qualifications and are now doing as much as you do. Have you actually stopped to take stock of that? 
That's pretty incredible well, and very inspiring. Well, I can give you a little bit of story of that, Sophie, actually. So, <laughs> um, yeah, when I was 15, boys were much more interesting than studying, right? Yes, <laughs> There course. were so many more wonderful things out there, boys, <laughs> earning money. Um, and I also, as you know, I said a little while ago, I'm a very creative and visual person, so I love stories. Mm. I cannot do exams. I cannot do exams. Under any exams, I just crumbled the, mm. the pressure. You're not alone with that. I think that's... Yeah. I, I think that is a standard of way how we see if people have learned. It doesn't work for so many people. That's, that's it. Yeah. And I think that um, the only thing I was really good at was English Lit because it's stories. Mm. I learn creatively. Um, and I remember my English teacher, Mr. Brian, and he knew I was leaving school without going on to college... And um, he, this was back in the day with paper forms, and he said, please, you know, please apply for college, please, but you'll, you'll do brilliantly. And I was like, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not going back there. But there was a real regretful part of me of that because I thought, you know, if I, I am, you know, I can do this, just not in mm. the way that the education yeah. system wanted me to do it. Um, and that always stayed in the back of my head that someone really believed I could do it. And then about, this is where you're going to feel I'm mad. In lockdown, <laughs> I took on a master's. Really? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Um, so, or was it just, no, it was, it was the July. So there was something in the back of my mind that that, that, that conversation with Mr. Brian, it stayed in my head and that kind of desire, because I do love to learn, just not in an exam mm. form. And um, there was this, um, you know, when when you keep seeing something and you think, oh, is this a sign? Is this something that? Um, and it was a, um, it was a strand in, um, it's it's a, a strand in theology, but humanitarian and social development. So that really links into the work I do. And it was a master's, and I was thinking, look, I, I barely scraped past with GCSEs. I haven't got a degree. Like this is foolish. But my sister-in-law Sally, she's a um, she's a university lecturer, and she was like, no, no, no. I think like you're living you're living this um, masters out. You're doing this in your work, and I think they will they will let you do it. So this is the University of Manchester. So I had a chat with the the dean and did my first pathway and. Um, yeah, I'm doing it. So I'm. That's amazing. I'm three modules in. I love now. that. <laughs> I think that's brilliant. And I emailed Mr. Brian. Did I Facebook stalked him. Yay. I Facebook stalked Mr. Brian, which is I a, bit love a good teacher story. Yeah, and <laughs> I um, I was a bit like, yeah, um, oh, Mr. Brian, this might sound a bit creepy to you. Um, I think he would have loved the fact that you remembered that conversation. He did. He did. He was like, you only need one amazing teacher. Yeah, really. absolutely. You know what I mean? It's just someone absolutely. who sees you. Yeah. And, um, and I just said, I may not, I've listened to you 22 years later. <laughs> um, it's a long so game It sometimes. wasn't in vain, yeah. Um, but yeah he, yeah, he did say, he's like, wow, that's incredible. Thank you for sharing your story. Do keep me updated. And, um, and then he blocked you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, like, that's so creepy. You never believe some... Yeah, oh my goodness, yeah. And now he's going to be like, now he's going to get really worried if he hears this. Um, but um, yeah, and I just was like, and I'm, I'm really enjoying it because I can do it in a really creative mm. way and it's stuff that I'm really passionate about and yeah so I'm doing all right I'm doing yeah. I got, and I'm, yeah I'm, I'm gonna use this opportunity to be a bit boastful I got I got a distinction 
That's phenomenal. I know. So yeah, I don't so, think that's boastful. I think that's. I think it's proud. It's good to be yes. proud of what you're achieving. And I think, I think qualifications take on mm. extra significance if there's something you've driven, you have instigated, well, you've it. driven yourself towards. It's not. It's not the same as that whole sort of conveyor mm. belt of education and tick boxes and what did you get? I yeah. got this. You know, it's very different when it's self motivated. Absolutely, and I really do owe that distinction or any of this to really as I said the people that let us at Bonnie Down's journey with them Mm. because it's just such a delight to be able to write about those experiences and it's also really you know equipping me which in turn then equips those that I Mm. work with um yeah because a lot of the stuff that I'm doing in my master's is around you know like intentional friendships and you know so what does that mean intentional yeah, friendships? So intentional friendships so um I should know really I just wrote a whole paper on it but <laughs> so it's really about um I think sometimes with charity work as such there can be this whole thing of I don't know if I'm really I say this my, our fundraiser calls it a bit like poverty porn really mm-hmm. kind of like oh this is really terrible things are happening and people don't get wrong need to hear that to be able to give do you see what I mean people need to know that there are really challenging things out there and really unjust things happening for people to to give but what we really want to make sure is that we're intentionally journeying with people we're not kind of using their stories I totally understand do you see what I mean using their stories to be like oh look at us and the great work that we're doing and you couldn't do this without you yeah because also actually and weirdly as well that can create a bit of an us and them vibe which is actually the complete opposite of what empowers and so much of what you're saying is making me think mm. of the significance of being seen, actually. It's yeah. it's about not feeling invisible. You're not a number. You're not a story that someone can quote yes. as a sort of anecdote of it. Yeah. It's the full 360 of what makes you think that you this would never happen to you and what makes mm. you think that person... Because you do see sometimes with people who've led, led very privileged lives... Uh, it's hard to articulate this, but yeah. a sense that for some people, if they've led a sort of life that's seen them on a certain trajectory. Um, and it, it's it's typical of people who've maybe had um, a slight sense of entitlement, I suppose. Mm-hmm. And then they end up feeling that there's something about them that is just that little bit clever that means they could nev- they, they would never have found themselves mm-hmm. in that predicament. Mm-hmm. And actually, that is just... And the uncomfortable truth is that's just not, not how, mm-hmm. it, how it goes. Mm-hmm. Um, so pulling people out into the light and saying, this is this is the full story of it, and we're going to be, yeah. be with them, as you say, journeying with them, yeah. hand in hand, mm-hmm. And it's not just a kind of, yes, seeing yourself in bird's eye view going, look at me doing a good deed right absolutely. here. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And and absolutely true. And that's what's so lovely. So when you came to our project, it was so lovely on the radio to hear like Ashna and Husefa and yeah. Narifa, you know, and, and Rina telling their their story because it's like, who am I to? I mean, it's, it's lovely to be able to sit here and talk about the work, but for them to tell their stories, yeah. it's so like... <clears throat> yeah, that's that's right. You yes. know, who can tell your story better than than you, really? So, yeah, a lot of the stuff that, and funny enough, you just said that whole us and them thing. Mm. Um, absolutely, that's that's the stuff that I'm really learning about because, yeah, I, I don't believe in that us and them thing and making sure that we are always so intentional about that, that mm. it is about us as a community and we're journeying this together and we're all valued 
um, and we've all got a contribution to make. Yeah, and I think actually that that point about the contribution is really significant as well, so that people aren't mm. only um, weighed up insofar as you know how how dire their situation yes. is. Yeah, but, you know, actually, oh, you know, if you what, what skill set? How mm. what, where's your time? Oh, you know, you you're really good at that. And actually, would you yeah. like to get involved in that? And you know, it's sort of making me think as well about someone else I spoke to called Carrie, who she said to me that um, the way to help yourself in your mental health is to find a cause bigger than yourself. Mm. And actually I think for people to feel part of something and like they're pulling their weight and they're contributing is, it can't be yeah. underestimated. Um, but what's it like for you when you step outside of that and you do go home? And how do you, how do you, where do you, what do you do with that load of those stories and those people mm. you're traveling with when you go back to your life and you're with your kids? I mean, is it something you find yourself you know sometimes saying oh we can't complain about this that and the other or is it more just does that have to stop if that's your day in day out yeah um it <clears throat> feels like um it does feel like it can be a bit blurred if i'm honest because my children in particular have been really part of the community um so they like they literally do come to work with me <laughs> sometimes um and you're right. I think for me as a as a mum, um, I do have that whole, oh gosh, you know, I'm, I'm really, really grateful that they can come and be part of that. And I think it's really healthy that they are. So it was really funny, actually. So one of Lottie's kind of like little job roles would be kind of like helping out within the food bank and stuff like that. And knowing all about it. And then when they did community day at school, she got like really commended because the teacher was like, oh, she knows where the local food bank is. She knows where this is. She knows about the homeless shelter. And I'm thinking, well, yeah, that's probably because, you know, she's been so part of... Of her and stuff. And she there. She had, she's a, what was the sign she had around her neck? It was oh, uh, Play Buddy. Play Buddy, that yeah, was it. And that, do you know what? That was really lovely for me to see, really, because they wanted to, to come to work with me. So, yeah, she'd made that little lanyard, hadn't she? Like, yeah. Play Buddy, Lottie and James. And, um, yeah, so I think that um, I, try, I try where possible to kind of come home and be mum. But it does, it does sometimes blur sometimes. I think living in such a tight-knit community. So I live where I work, literally, round the corner. So taking the kids to school, I will usually see, you know, mm. the, you know people on the route that, that, you know, are part of Bonnie Downs and stuff. And when the kids were younger, they would be a little bit like, Mum, come on, let's go, stop <laughs> talking. Chat, yeah. And I'm like, gosh, it's taking us... But, you know, I think that as as they're getting older, they're, you know, I mean, they've always really benefited from being part of that too, yeah. you know? And do they instigate it as well? Do they want to be part yeah, of it? Yeah, so particularly them? as well, like the youth group and stuff, mm. they love it. Um, so, yeah, they're over at the youth group and, and things like that. And, yeah, they loved coming to help out in toddler group the other day. They feel mm. like really, you know, grown up and part of it and help her. And sometimes I'll be really naughty and I'll bring home admin stuff that I know they can help me with. So I think that's naughty. I think that's pretty... Yeah. I like that. I like give them a little job. <laughs> logic, then. Yeah. We had to send out loads of leaflets during COVID. No, no, that we didn't do that during COVID. We wasn't allowed to. But there was at one point, maybe it was the summer scheme or something, that we had to send things out. So I was like, right, Lottie, you can have the job of writing the envelopes. James, you can put the stamps on. We had like a little conveyor belt going. So they are very, very much involved with my work. But mm. I am... 
also very conscious as a mother that I don't want them to feel that work takes precedent, really. Yeah. That's tricky, well. isn't it, as well? Because sometimes I suppose with something that is so um, 360 and yeah. it's, you know, you've got the practical side and uh, mm. you've also got the emotional side, it can be quite mm. easy to sort of, um, I don't know what the right phrase is really, but to sort of uh, start, use that as a way to almost stop engaging with other things sometimes because when you've got something that's such a big project, mm. you can sort of be just in that world yeah. and actually being able to stop and, and mm. as you say, be... Be mum outside of it, I think, is really important. Yeah. Not good, as easy. Yeah, I think the good thing is we've got we've got <coughs> quite a healthy approach to um, at Bonnie Downs in regards to just chatting these things through with each other. Mm. Um, you know, just having that space to sit and re- reflect. You know, um, because it yeah it it can feel really heavy when you hear stories. You know, like Larifa's. And, you know, you'll be sitting there as a fellow human, as a fellow mother, um, and sometimes the odd tear will fall. And I think, again, that's quite healthy for people to to see that, you know, but also you don't want to fall apart on them and make it all about you (laughs) either. So, you know, it's kind of that kind of balanced composure of really feeling with people and just being like, oh, my goodness... And also at the other end, all the joys and stuff mm. as well. Um, you know, when like really good news is heard and just the being able to like really celebrate together and the high that you get from that. Yeah. And so we do make sure that within our teams that we really create that space of almost sharing together and talking it through. Um, you know, my husband, Matt, is really brilliant at listening to me, just kind of chatting my day through and, you know whilst respecting people's, you know, confidentiality and things that they don't maybe want me to share further, you know, but still kind of being like, oh, there was this today and this today. Mm. And so, yeah, I'm I'm really um, lucky to be able to have, um, yeah, people that to kind of share that with and we're mm. all kind of sharing it together. And, and part of you just thinks this this weighs really heavy, you know, this feels really heavy, what I've come home with, but actually nowhere near as heavy as what that person is living. Yeah. Well, I was thinking as well, <clears throat> when you said that the food bank opened in 2013, mm. I was thinking, so um, you said that Newham is the second poorest borough, mm. but was how long was that? I bet you don't need to know, but it, was that the case? It's been for quite some time. It really has been for quite some time, actually. Um, but yeah. things seem to be, I mean, that's... That seems like poverty has been getting worse. It has. The disparity. And I think... Yeah. I remember I spoke not that long ago to um, to this lady called Hella Thorning-Schmidt. She was um, foremost Danish PM and then she mm. became CEO of Save the Children for three years. And she, I said, how do you deal with that, you know, working for a charity like that where you're seeing such awful things? And she said, oh, because I, I believe that every day things are getting better for yeah. the children. But if you hear that, you know, food banks springing up everywhere, I can't remember the, the exact percentage but it's something horrific like 40 percent of the uk's children are growing up in poverty it doesn't it must feel sometimes that that's not necessarily the journey that we're on yeah it's um yeah so you're 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 right i mean in in newham so we we were talking about this when you came to visit in newham 50 percent of children are living within 
poverty. Um, 50%. 50%. 50%. I know. By the way, I'm not saying that to discredit what Hella said. It's more, I think it's more a mindset, really. But she's right. The national, yeah, Yeah. the national is right. It's about something like 37 or 40 or something. So she's absolutely right. But yeah, within Newham... Um, yeah, it's, it's higher. And the only reason Every I know that child. is because um, that's too shocking. Yeah, I've I've just done um, a report, and Jess, our fundraiser, was obviously like you know, and that that was the the latest statistic. And the definition of poverty is is it so when you you for children, yeah. it's that they it's either uniform or food yeah, on the table. Yeah, so it's almost like what we would <clears> describe as almost like essentials. Mm. Yeah, essentials. Um, so accessing food banks, accessing kind of that level of support of things yeah. such as, um, you know, you know, uniform banks, clothes banks, etc. Um, I think that, um, yeah, it makes you really angry at systems. Mm. But, yeah, that makes us really angry at systems. But I think you just have to kind of... Take that anger of injustice. Yeah, absolutely, and it motivates you. Yeah, (laughs) and that's it. And it just kind of has to motivate you, really, Mm. um, to just for us to kind of just do what we can in where we are. And I think for us, a bit a big movement in our work this year has been um, so when the. We, we were finding, as we said, like lots and lots of families using the food bank, really kind of living in real like destitute situations. Um, and there were lots of families that we didn't really know. Um, but we were kind of seeing the names of these families. And we're, like, we're not aware of them. We're not aware of them. So what we did is in January, we were able to um, set up um, face-to-face appointments with each of these families that were using the, the food bank. Um, and it was really funny. We were sitting in our old church building in hats, coats and scarves because the heating is just really gone with the doors open because we had to, with COVID, spraying everything. So it smelled beautiful in there. But, um, and we met with every one of them. And I think the most heartbreaking thing was that when they said we've, we've meeting with us as a team, we, you know, you, you spoke earlier, we spoke about things like, well, what's... Um, you know, what's happening in your situation right now? Um, what what do you think can can help? You know, if you if we could go and see the Prime Minister together, what would we be saying? This is what we need. But then also asking things like, you know, what are your skills? What are your talents? And what are your hopes for the future? And I think sometimes the the system can just make people think, well, just just be grateful for what you get. And we don't, we're just gonna give to you and we don't really care about you as a person like you just have this and be grateful and mm. I think what what moved you know me and and the rest of the team was very much how people well at first they were a little bit nervous they were a bit like why do you want to know so much about us and we said well we want we want to get to, to know you and your family and and that was you know and um, but that really moved me and that no one you know we we, we want to get the time to know you and your family, you're part of our community. And they've not really had that. Mm. And um, we almost uncovered what we said was this kind of underground community of people who um, who just we'd not met before, who just felt that kind of their way of surviving was going to the food bank, um, you know, and, and that was it. 
And um, so with those questions that we were asking people, like what's your skills, what's your talent, you know, we, we worked out very quickly that there was lots of people that needed immigration advice. So we partnered with the brilliant, um, so the renewal program in, um, in um, Manor Park who were brilliant at letting us use their refugee and migrant project. So the... Amazing. Because that advice is just yes, yeah. gold and dust, really, isn't it, when you don't know which way to turn. Absolutely. <clears throat> and, um, and you taught me some interesting facts, actually, when I met you before about... So if you come here yeah. and you're not in the system, you have, to be, you have to be able to prove you've been living here for 10 years before yes. you gain any sort of identity within the That's system. That's right. But obviously, when you arrived here, you didn't have any way in the system. No. So how you prove that is a thing in itself. Absolutely, yeah. Oh, my gosh. It's And I'm just still learning so much mm. about it. So that was amazing. Having Sylvia there with her years of experience mm. was just like gold dust. Um, and it took them a little while to trust us because as soon as we'd say the word immigration, mm. it would, you know, alarm bells would go off. Yeah, of course. Um, and we had to rely on the wonderful Sam. I, Sam, bless him. He's a retired man. Um, so a lot of the people that we meet are from the Malayaman community, so the Indian community. Um, and Sam speaks Malayaman. He's meant to be retired, but he volunteers with Bonnie Downs three days a week. Oh, wow. I said, your wife must be so cross at us, Sam, you know. But he comes lovingly and he translates. We call him Uncle Sam. Um, so that was it. So we got a translator. We had Sylvia. Um, and yeah, and so you're right. So, so what a lot, what we're finding is a lot of people within the Malayalam community were coming here and they were overstaying their visa. And they were almost told that was the way to, to, to do it. Mm. Um, and the reason that the majority of them do that is because of education for their children. Mm. Because um, for them, education, um, you know, back in India is, is a privilege, is a privilege. Um, and so for them, it's like, okay, well, our children have that, mm. that chance. Um, and everyone's story is different. Everyone's story yeah. is different. But I, I do think that, that unfortunately um, for them is then when they come and they overstay their visa... Um, you know, we, under the Children's Act, have an obligation for the children to be in education, and that's yeah. great. But I do think for many of them, um, there, isn't, there wasn't really the level of understanding of actually how hostile that system is for right. them, actually. Um, so when you do hear that narrative on, you know, within the media, you know, certain politicians standing on the cliffs kind of saying, oh, look at all the boats coming in and everyone's going to stay in a five-star hotel. And, you know, that's really not the narrative that we see. Mm. Actually, it is very, well, almost impossible to get any kind of serv service as such um, for those families um, to the point. So even though the children could come into the school system... Um, the children, when the vouchers would be, when St. Marcus Rashford, I will call him, he, yeah. that man can do no wrong in our, well, in my, in my opinion. Yeah, um, when yeah. he kind of pioneered um, around children getting free school meals and the school mm. vouchers, those children were still exempt from it because the government didn't owe anything to those children, if that makes sense. Wow. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, like, we did a lot of work in kind of, like, ringing around the schools. And that's where you hear the stories of, like, um, teachers out of their own pockets mm. 
providing wow. charities the strain on there really um and I think that's what it is. So families will come here and they'll be like, my children will get into education. But then they really are doing cash in hand work. Mm. And obviously throughout the pandemic, that that dried up. Things mm. like construction, cleaning, hospitality. Yeah. And they're living, you know, they're paying, you know, well, for, 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 you know, for us in East Ham, London rent, like 700 quid for a box room. Um, and they're paying that. And yeah, not not being able to do any kind of work at all. And yeah. Yeah, so that was really tough. So, you know, that felt like this whole kind of underground community that I we bet. were meeting who, you know, felt they had, you know, they had to be hidden because they were so worried about immigration. And we've been able to really, because this, and this was a whole new world for us at Bonnie mm. Downs, a whole new world. I mean, our support project with, um, you know, the some of the people that they work with through our homeless daycare centre. I think they'd seen some of that and they were able to, to guide us. But for us as a families project, it was a whole, whole new world. And we wanted to be able to, as we say, like really intentionally support these families, mm. you know, because, you know, bad advice is worse than no advice, basically. Mm. So I made sure that we sought advice from places like Maternity Action, um, you know, and, you know, just places that really specialise within being able to support families. But then for us, we were able to really offer some of the practical stuff, but then do some of the fun stuff. So we were like, okay, so you're saying you're good at cooking. Let's cook together and let's... So we created Family Hub, which meant that... So it's happening now. I'm... Yeah, so they're, they're all, they're all oh, there yeah, today, Thursday. actually. It's yeah. Thursday. <coughs> so we'll start off and we'll have breakfast together and all the kids will come, all like the little ones will come and play because the older ones will be at school. Um, and then one of the parents, because we say like a lot of them enjoy different things, will do crafts. So like last week, it's rubbed off now, but Shanta, she did henna oh, for us all. Oh, nice. um, yeah, so we'll do that. And then um, what we do is because a lot of the parents there said they really enjoyed cooking or that or that's what they were good at we'll um we'll have a budget and we'll give that to the parents and then they go and buy the ingredients and then we cook them all on the stove together and we eat together you know because that's what families do you know the kids play together we sit we chat we have breakfast cups of tea we cook together we have lunch together and within that there is some woven you know practical support mm. as well um but I think, you know, just being able to just offer that place of... I loved what you said at the end of that Radio 2 clip, a place of community and hope, really. So for people to come, for people, for us to just celebrate with each other, for us to just share life's challenges and tragedies together, it's a real, it's a real privilege to do it. It's a real privilege to do it. And, yeah. Um, yeah. I can see that. I think hearing people's stories and when they trust you with you know, what's happened to them mm. and with uh, showing where they're strong and showing where they feel vulnerable. That's, yeah. it's, it is a big privilege, actually, when people are open with you like that. Yeah. And I think that's what really struck me, actually, because, um, you know, speaking to the women I spoke to um, and seeing all the kids together and you think this is more than just a play group or a mm. cooking group or whatever. It's about all of that, that the strength in the, you know, those bonds that are woven together. And I think as well, it's, it, it is still an eye-opener for me. I, I think that was the other thing I learned about... So if someone comes here and then they have a baby, it costs yeah. them thousands of pounds, they immediately rack up medical bills. Because I think people have 
a cynical idea that you can come mm-hmm. here and use the NHS and this is yeah. another thing. Yeah. <clears throat> but you were telling me about that as yeah. well. Yeah. So again, this is this is things that we're still really learning about. And as we said, we've had to lean into really, you know, amazing organisations such as like, like Praxis for us is kind of the people like the go-to to talk to you about things like this. But yeah, it has to be really life-threatening, like literally your leg hanging off. It's called like really like urgent medical care for them to be able to to receive it. Mm. Um, but yeah, so for many of them, they come and they have their babies here. And so <laughs> we've got a little bit, again, it's one of those things where we really try. I think what I think what the parents really appreciate is we have a real culture of fun at Bonnie Downs and it kind of gets all of us through it. So the people that are living it um, in particular, and so like we have our we have our babies by price tag. So some of the kids that are running around, you know, we'll be like, oh, there's our £13,000 one. He's the most expensive. <laughs> you you know, there's our eight grand one. He was a bargain, you know. And the, the mums, you know, we really love that and we laugh together. Um, you and this know, is the cost of, like, having them. Having them. Yeah. Literally, so scans. Um, so maternity care, um, That that's the cost of having them. And when I first heard about that, I was outright I was like no way this is wrong surely there's somewhere somewhere that um and it and it's not wrong and as I said like maternity action were our go-to and they were like yeah this is kind of what we're dealing with um, and are these people who are literally not in the system, or is this these people, people or asylum seekers? Is it yeah. that? I'm not so sure. I'll be honest. I'm not so sure <clears> about asylum curious. seekers, but definitely those not in the system. It applies right. to. Um, again, when children need care. So, for example, there was like one where one of the mums rang me, and she was like, "I'm. I've got to take. I think I've got to take my son to the hospital, but I think they're going to charge me, and I don't know what to do." And I was like, "No, no, no, take him." Um, and so that is supported under there. The children are supported. So we do make sure the parents know, like, your children are supported. And don't get me wrong, all of the mums that we, we know, like, it, you know, any debt, you know, they would they would pay. <laughs> you know, their children come first. But it's an added worry, isn't yeah, it? An yeah, added yeah. worry. Yeah. Um, I think the most harrowing one we had recently, and again, this is something that... Um, I'm investigating with maternity action before we think about, and again, this has to be led by the mum, is um, one of our mums had a miscarriage and was charged for it. Um, and, yeah, that that's the most harrowing one that, that yeah, I think we've come across, £4,000. Oh, my goodness. Um, yeah. Oh, my goodness. And it's just all these lives being led out there. You just don't even think about these things. Do I you? know, and um, that's so shocking. Yeah, and it, I mean, what do you say? <laughs> what do you say? Um, and so it wasn't just <clears throat> that this, you know, very traumatic thing had happened to her and to her family because um, she's, you know, she's got children who are obviously really excited about. Mm. Um, you know, new baby on the way. Not only has there been that for them to have to manage as a as a family, she's then very, you know, scared by this very automated, you know, bill that's come mm. through. And so, yeah, rather than her putting an emphasis on, you know, her care, it was very mm. much this worry about a bill. Mm. Um, so, yeah, we're, uh, we're, yeah, investigating that and working out 
ways around that at the moment and stuff. But the thing is, I mean, when we say that the bill is such, um, what there are ways in which you can work out a payment plan with the NHS. But where it makes it very different, so you're right, what you, what you said earlier is that there's usually like a seven to ten year gap in where they say, okay, well, after this amount of time you can apply mm. to kind of become a resident here. If you have a debt over a £1,000, that goes against you as well. So, like, if you're right. given, like, a 13 grand maternity bill, yeah. you've got to hope you can pay that off in by the time you... And for most of these families, that's not gonna happen um because they're already struggling to pay rent and mm. for food and things like that because the jobs are so unstable because it's kind of cash in hand stuff um and yeah it's um yeah. just as a contrast if you are um if you want to have residency here and you have the cash if you spend two million in property and above you you get automatic mm. um you yeah. get you get residency in the UK just wow. as a contrast. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, wow. I don't think it's something a lot of people know, no. but that is the case. Yeah, so you you can just buy your way into you it. You can, yes, yes. Yeah. Um, that doesn't surprise me. No, actually. it's not a big shocker, is it? It's not like you better sit down for this. Yeah, gosh, that, that, well, that doesn't surprise me to be honest. But yeah, it just it just shows, doesn't it? Yeah. So just to have curiosity with you and your masters, um, is there a part of you when you talked about the anger? and the sort of fuel on the mm. fire. Is there a part of you that's sort of equipping yourself for some being able to get a bit more involved in sort of, I don't know, lobbying yeah, or anything like that? Know. Do you know I what? Think so, yeah. Have you got a bit of you that's curious about? Yeah, it's, it's I think curious is a really good word, Because you're, you're clearly quite formidable, and I'm, I can see that there's like a bit <laughs> of a trajectory this way with sort of heading to, I'm just thinking if, if you're thinking in those terms or if it's just sort of unveiling itself to you yeah. as you go along it's really funny isn't it because mm. when I um when I kind of spoke to people about doing the masters and it's really lovely because there's a few people um kind of from the Bonnie Downs community who I'm doing it with as well so that's lovely and um, so yeah Johnny and Jess and Ali are doing it as well or the so same masters yeah oh, so we'll, cool. do, well some of us end up doing like different pathways if mm. that makes sense um so that's been really good to kind of journey it with with them um but I think the first question a lot of people asked was are you doing this for a career move like is this mm. why you're doing this to kind of like put it on your cv and I'm like no I've not I'm not very good in kind of career aspirations as such I'm not I'm just like no I'm just really I just really in you know this this way of life and and you know I think that's where it ties into my to my faith as well this way of life really in, intrigues me you know and I it really intrigues me I I I really love living this way in community and I just want to learn more about it maybe how other people do it as I said I love reading stories mm. and yeah, and also some of the other side of it, like learning a little bit more about maybe other communities' experiences and challenges that they face and using their learning. So, yeah, it is, yeah. It is but it is a real discipline for me as well because mm. I'm such a fidget. So to have to sit down and do reading lists and things like that yeah. and books that... And if I ever read, it's, it's complete escapism reading. Mm. It's not, you know, um, deep... Mm. theological kind of reading so yeah I do have to have a real discipline about that but 
Yeah, no, a lot, a lot of the stuff is is the kind of stories that I'm really intrigued with and learning more about other projects and... It's sort of growth, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, really? yeah, absolutely. You don't need to absolutely. always know where you're headed with these things. No, And actually, no. I think, you know, you can, you've already learnt that, you know, you can live a life where it just kind of... Mm. And then you see the next bit you're going to and then yes. the next bit you're going to. Yeah. You don't have to have a kind of... Like yeah. Everybody's real eye on the prize. Yeah. In fact, I think most people aren't. Mm. I think it's, yeah, you can just sort of let your life unfold and surprise you sometimes, which yeah. is really nice. I mean, yeah, if you'd have told me two years ago, oh, yeah, you're going to you're gonna do a master, I'd be like, yeah, don't be so... <laughs> <laughs> That's ridiculous. As or even when you were having that. your first baby, if you knew where, then where oh, you'd end up goodness. a decade later, you know? Yeah, absolutely. It's been, yeah, it's been such, uh, such an adventure. Yeah, I feel really, I feel really blessed to to do it yeah and I suppose with the with your faith um that that comes down to community a lot too doesn't it Mm, yeah absolutely because um I think that um yeah for for me that is faith so we 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 call ourselves a blurry edge church a blurry edge church we're a real inclusive church and don't believe that church is something you do together on a Sunday, that it's like this formal structure, like church is in the everyday, like church is in our food bank on a Wednesday, welcoming in, um, you know, people from all walks of life. Um, So I told you that story, didn't I, about Lottie with the the street drinkers. Oh, yes, you told me when I saw you, yes. So which means you're going to school with your mum. Yeah, so my mum had her. So we have... um, we have, as I said, like lo- lo- Bonnie Downs is, is just a complete place for anybody. We're really inclusive. And yeah, we usually on Wednesday, because we run our food bank and a free community lunch, we'll get some of the local kind of homeless people or street or, or people like the street drinkers, really, who come and have a hot meal and a coffee to sober up and stuff. And yeah, <laughs> when Lottie used to... Um, when, when she wasn't at school and would be kind of part of the food bank, she'd be like with her Nana Ellen on the counter helping make the teas and stuff like that. And... Um, my mum, yeah, took her down the road one day and some of the guys in the park were like, hey, Lottie. And my mum was, you know, a little bit like, oh, who are these, (laughs) you know, men sitting, you know, on the bench with their cans of drink? And she's like, oh, they're my mum's friends. And my mum was like, oh, right, okay." (laughs) But I loved that. I loved that. I thought... You know, that that, that was a real proud mum moment, actually, that Mm. she said, oh, not you know, they're people my mum works with. They're my mum's friends. I thought that was lovely. Um, yeah, and I think that that's it as, as kind of in regards to like my faith in the church. And I think that, yeah, for, for me, so um, the church that, that Bonnie Downs is, is a Baptist church. And for me, um, Jesus was all about people, all about being with people. And that's what we, that's what we do. And I think more than ever, I think, for us, we so I do a lot of work in the summer with young people. Um, so we run a youth development program at Bonnie Downs, and um, we employ um, local young people. So this year we had oh I think we had forty five young people aged between fifteen and twenty two, and. Um, we employ them or give them volunteering opportunities and they plan and lead the three-week summer scheme. And so children in need pay for some of their children to come along to that summer scheme and they pay for some of the young leaders' time and work there. 
So it's a really, as you said, it's like a really 360 thing. So it gives um, a lot of these young people an introduction to work. It gives them a purposeful summer. Mm. Um, and there's some kind of mentoring and training opportunities in it. But it also provides a really amazing free week summer fun program for young people. And I think I'm very aware that um, myself and my, you know, my job share partner, Sarah, you know, we kind of come with that label of Christian and Christian organisation. And we feel that, well, we know what sometimes that tag can come with. That tag of Christian can come with being judgmental and having certain views about things. So for us, we feel that for us, it's making sure actually this is, we want to make sure that everyone feels included. We want to make sure everyone, um, you know, is welcome, really. So we kind of spread that message and tell her so we'll do things like I love as I was as I was driving here actually it was down the pride route because we'll go to Christians at pride cool. um when we can and um yeah so you know we we make I I never want a young person to not be able to talk to me about their sexuality or any you know maybe decisions that they've had to make around certain things because they think you know I wear that label Christian and that we'd be judgmental um yeah. So. No, well, I think actually that goes yeah. back to what I would call sort of the actual the sort of heart of what Christianity yeah. is supposed to be about rather than maybe, as mm. you say, the sort of place where it ended up in terms of its, um, yeah. its sort of, you know, profile. Mm. <laughs> That's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think, yeah, that there's, I think we've moved beyond mm. that with, with mm. what's how people are really living yeah. their lives with those values, I think. And I think it's about leading intrigue in life. It's like, for me, with my faith, I think, oh, gosh, like, Jesus was this really radical man that led, like, this really... Yeah, people were so intrigued by him, and that's why mm. they followed him, not because of a bunch of rules. And it was my mother-in-law that intrigued me into Christianity because... So, my hus me and my husband, Matt, and so we've been together nearly 21 years now. Oh, wow. And, I know. And... um we lived with his parents for about five of those years to save up, to buy our own home and stuff. And my mother-in-law, Ellen, she pioneered the Over 65s project at Bonnie Downs. And so I'd come home from my job in the city with diamonds and all of that kind of wealth and stuff around. And um, I remember coming home and her with an elderly person in the area who was who was kind of quite quite an outcast, like, no one really kind of wanted to hang around her. She, bless her, she had quite, you know, quite severe learning difficulties and, yeah, people weren't very kind of kind to her. And Ellen made sure that she really took, you know, was like, no, like, this this woman is loved and I'm going to make sure that she's part of a really thriving community. And um, she, she had her... Um, she'd caught head lice, the woman, and she was de-knitting her over our... Bath, <laughs> and I've come home, and Ellen's like, wow, and I was like, "What on love. earth? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what on earth is this woman doing? She's complete bonkers." And another time where she was like, "Don't put anything in the washing machine because so and so's bed bug sheets are in there. I had to go and de bed bug their house." And I was like, "I was like, this woman is completely mental. Like, what is she doing?" And she just led this real intriguing life mm. and I thought you know where where does that come from yeah and from her it came from her faith and anyway lo, lo, you know long story she invited me to 
to church, I started to learn a little bit more about Bonnie Downs and kind of grew in my faith. And yeah. So that's quite a significant thing, really. Yeah. So how old were you then? 21. 21. 21. Um, yeah, so I was 21. Um, and yeah, so I think, and it was, and I think maybe, I think that's what we're kind of called to do, really, just have that like intriguing intriguing lives a life less really. ordinary yeah yeah intriguing lives and what that what that means really um i think yeah. it's just really healthy as well to keep looking outside yourself other people's stories mm. are fascinating yes absolutely <laughs> oh my gosh yes other people's stories are in, incredible um yeah absolutely and we get to hear so many and that's what i mean we just have such you know it's just such a, a privilege to hear them mm. um at Bonnie Downs, it, it really, really is um, to just hear people's stories and for them to trust us with them as well. And yeah. you know, um, yeah, we do. We do keep. I mean, um, f- funnily enough, um, uh, Sally, who's our who's our pastor at Bonnie Downs, has wrote a book, Looking for Lydia, and it's all about kind of Bonnie Downs stories and it's really? everything from giving. Um, so, like, um, as I said, because we have friends from all different walks of life and going over to our local park and doing communion with the homeless people. And one asked if their dog could have communion. So she's like, I've never been asked that, but okay. (laughs) (laughs) You know, Um, and yeah, lots of stories, really. Um, Yeah. Yeah, well, I think um, you're a good advert for all of the stuff you're talking about as well, because throughout the whole time we've been speaking, it's... There's lots of joy about you, Stacey, and I think, you know, that radiates from you in every pore and also all your clothes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've only well. met you twice, but um, both times you've been... Uh, the first time was wearing rainbows, yes. your rainbow cardigan. Yeah. Um, and today you're covered in pink flowers I and am. bells on your ankles, which is pretty impressive. <laughs> Brightly coloured trainers. And you also brought with you a ch- costume oh. change, which I can only applaud. <laughs> it's because I was so jealous of all of your ones yesterday. <laughs> like... Check yeah. me out. So yeah, and actually, the thing you brought with you is a rainbow dress, yeah. which I presume has been with you on the Pride Run. Yeah. Yes. Uh, which says, um, "Is it love always wins?" Like, yeah. Yes, that's yeah. a good slogan, I think. Love always wins. Absolutely, love always wins. It's a very powerful thing, isn't it? Mm. Isn't it? You know, and it go it goes back to kind of what you know what I said when we had our, you know, we had our little team meeting Monday. Is that that's got to be the vein that runs runs through the heart of it really is mm. is love and it's not it's not everything like these people like, yeah. they, things need to change this yeah. country. we're a first world country I'm yeah. not saying I'm not trying to be twee about no, it no not at but all it is the thing that pulls people along and motivates yeah and and actually that thing you were talking about earlier with the the anger you feel that that comes from love as well mm. that's it about does. wanting things to be better for people because they deserve it and you care about them it does it absolutely does <clears throat> and um and, you know, and that, that, that can be really difficult. And I think that, you know, I, I think we'd all say, uh, you know, at Bonnie Downs that we never want it to look like a Disney movie, that, like, people come to Bonnie Downs and we all journey life together as, like, this really happy family mm. and amazing things happen in people's lives and we all celebrate together. And that, that does actually happen quite a lot. But there's also real sadness in certain things and... There's also real chaos in people's lives as well. And I think that that can be really tough because no matter sometimes how much, and this is just generally a life lesson really, isn't it? No matter how much you love someone sometimes, um, the chaos can take over or 
past experiences can take over and um and and that's why you know we spoke a lot about we do things with people not for people because there are some people that you meet and journey with who you kind of want to be a bit of a mum with and be like well if you do this and if you do this and if you do this then everything will be better um and you know, like a bit like the like Jamesy used to have that one of those little backpacks that you hold the reins on. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. and you kind of feel like you want to be like, well, you know, it's really that would be quite a dangerous move, but I might have to watch you kind of do that and see things <laughs> fall apart. Mm. And that that can happen too. Yeah. You know, you have to kind of you know live within the chaos as well sometimes. And love calls you to do that, doesn't it? It calls you to not only do all the good stuff and the good celebrating and all the lovey dovey stuff it's to kind of be in the the chaos a little bit as well and we talk a lot about grace and truth a lot so sometimes there are situations where we just have to be really truthful about um not not judgmental but truthful and honest about but then just show, you know, love and grace as mm. well, really. Like you can almost kind of see the chaos coming sometimes. You feel, yeah. oh, please don't do it, you know, but they will. And, yeah, you just kind of love and do what you can and be honest but gracious at the same time and, yeah. And, and sort of finally, from your, from your vantage point, is there something that you could see that could be changed that would actually make things significantly better just generally for how the situation that we're in mm, with yeah. this. Like this. Um, I mean, I'm aware not to get too, too political and stuff, but I do think, so when we asked those families what, what could make your situation better, for a lot of them it, it was to work, to work. So I know, I know that there is this narrative of people that say, oh, there's people that just come and scrounge off the state and they just want to kick back and get what they want. And... Don't get me wrong, I'm sure there are the odd few people out there that quite would fancy to do that. But that's that's not the narrative that, that we see. And I think that, yeah, I think if there was better access for people to work, because even when people sometimes get like their no recourse to public fund status, some of them are still not allowed to work as well. Oh, so wow. do you see what I mean? So I think that, I think that it's, yeah, so like Larifa at the moment will not be allowed to work. She cannot work while she's going through this process and stuff. So right. I think, but for so many, they, they don't want to rely on handouts. They want they want to Their be able to make... Purpose is good. Purpose yeah, is good. Yeah, yeah, they mm, want... Being part of things is good. Yeah, they want to work and yeah. they want to contribute. Earning their own money. And yeah, earn yeah. their own money. And, you know, that that's what people want. So I think if there was a better access to work for people yeah. in the, you know, within this kind of immigration system. I mean, I'm by no means an immigration expert or anything like that. I'm just going by stories I hear yeah. and training that we hear. But yeah. better access to work earlier on. I think it's a brilliant point, actually. And, yeah. you know, I think making things political is totally acceptable from mm, my point of view anyway yeah. because, you know, when we were in our lockdown situations, you know, a conservative said, "No, okay, now you can have your cleaners back. You can have your <laughs> childcare back. Yeah, you know." And I'm not an immigration expert, yes. but in my life, a lot of the people that end up in those roles mm. are people that 
yeah. you know, maybe didn't weren't born here or no. are, you know, first generation born here. Yeah. And that's that's actually the the glue, you mm. know, and that's what's yeah. that's what's providing us all. Mm. Like when yeah. I was um dancing for twenty four hours, mm. our amazing au pair Yelena, who was mm. born in Serbia, then was a refugee and mm. went to Spain when she was um, eight and mm. then came here. That's who was looking after my kids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Access to work is really important. And you don't just want to be grateful for your hand out of the food bank. You no. want to be able to do things. And that's why things like mm. Family Hub on a Thursday are always yeah. cooking together and talking. And yeah. people got loads of strengths. Let them use it. Yeah. They like it. It's good for everybody, enjoys that feeling. Yeah. And we want to, we always want to make sure that Bonnie's dance as well. So, um, I mean, I've I've lived in East Ham all my life, mm. um, so I've seen it really the area, you know, through a real, through. So I when when I was a child, it was that very much like Cockney East End kind of really really working class area, um, and then our borough became much more diverse, mm. and now we again kind of like the gentrification and stuff, we've got people that have been like outpriced by places like Hackney and Tower Hamlets moving mm. in to Newham because mm. it's more affordable. But when I say affordable, it's like four or 500 grand to buy a house. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, it's more affordable to buy there. So we have a real mix of people um, with money <laughs> and those living on or below the breadline. Um, so... Bonnie Dance, that's why, you know, of course we have, you know, community lunch and food banks and that is providing a service, but we make sure that, e you know, everybody's welcome. So mm. our toddler groups, it is a real mix of everybody. Um, and when we do things like, what one of my best bits about toddler groups is when we do clothes swaps. So if we, um, in, instead of maybe taking clothes to the charity shop, we'll bring clothes to, and then we'll like share them and it'll almost be like going shopping together. So yeah. we'll be holding them up against each other going, oh, that will fit you. That will look really nice. And Larifa was really happy actually. She got some really cool like stiletto heels <laughs> <laughs> the other day. And I was like, Larifa, check you out like where are we going out type thing you know and um and that's it you know it's kind of doing these things t together mm. really um yeah I've got some great bits from those clothes and I'll be like Stacey this will look nice well, actually, I've got something and... I can give you I've got a, a sort of leopard print lycra like cat suit that um, oh there we go so I'll, I'll, I'll fish out here <laughs> I'll wear it to work <laughs> on Monday <laughs> I don't doubt it yeah. oh Stacey thank you so much honestly I think Hi. you're um I'd want you in my corner um, for anything <laughs> and um, I, I also find your story I think it's really inspiring to think of 15 year old you and where you are now that's just I love that it's brilliant and you know what though Sophie it is all you say about like, having me in your corner and that you know again the, re the reason that I can do what I do what I'm privileged to do is because of all the people in my corner mm. do you know what I mean and it really is such yeah, Bonnie, Bonnie, it is like working for a family. And I know that sounds really cliche, but it is. And it's lovely. Like our, our, my, our MD, Sarah, is just brilliant. She used to be my job share partner. And she's, she's great. She's not your, she's so people focused. And so like, it, she's, she's got obviously quite a lot of work to do. As, but she sits in the office with us all. She doesn't shut herself away. And 
at summer scheme, she'd come over every Thursday and just make tea. Mm. For all of us, she just powered us with tea and chocolate. And she's just so people-focused, that kind of like people before process. We talk about that a lot, people before process. And at Bonnie Downs, believe it or not, we have a rainbow org chart mm-hmm. instead of like your average <laughs> one. And the big red arch is all of the people that work kind of on the ground. So like our cleaners, our volunteers, all of those that mm. really arch over and make our project run. And then Sarah's like the little purple right at the bottom. Um, rather than, you know, usual org charts, it's like right the big boss at the top yeah. and that. And I think kind of through her leadership and through her friendship and love, that it's so easy. Do you see what I mean? When you've got someone like that in your corner. Yeah, that's phenomenal. That's actually really really important I think yeah your kids are going to grow up with so many life lessons that don't have to be pointed out they're just part of how you live mm. and how you think about things I mean perspective is mm. is vital actually and once you feel like you've got that support it just lifts you up doesn't absolutely. it absolutely absolutely <clears throat> and I was talking to Claire earlier about um my daughter Lottie who is 11 going on 22 <laughs> and I said that's the thing isn't it like one of the things with well with both both of them actually Lottie and James like Lottie in particular as a as a as a girl you know really knowing her own mind I'm like wanna, you know I want to raise her to be like an independent fierce mm. young woman except when I have to parent her <laughs> <laughs> except I when know. I have to parent her but then you find sometimes <laughs> when she's being that independent fierce person yeah. You're sort of slightly rooting for her. It's I quite am. hard to argue against it because you're kind of like, go on. I am. And then I'm kind of like, I just think, okay, we'll get through this, but I will I will love this. I mean, I do love it about her now, but like in years to come, mm. you know, yeah, this 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 will be worth it. The, the determination for her to argue with me. <laughs> Hopefully she'll be using it in parliament, you know. Do you think your parents said the same about you? Well, funnily enough, <laughs> my dad does give me this look and be like, oh, I wonder where she gets mm. it from. And yeah. but they do say I was the middle child. Well, I am the middle child. And they do say, like, I was a nightmare. They say, you were such a nightmare. And oh, now, but now I've got it's... i three of them. Oh. But, but if this gives you hope, they do say, like, and now it's, yeah. Now, who would have guessed it? Like, Church leader, social justice campaigner. Well, do you know what I call my middle it. child? I call him mm. the heart of the family. Yeah, right, my actual that's middle, Ray in the middle. So maybe oh, that was you as well. Maybe. <laughs> my dad probably didn't think that when I was coming in as he was going to work. <laughs> it's a long game, parents, I'm telling you. It is. It is. <laughs> So there you had Stacey Cordray, the project lead at Bonnie Downs Community Centre over in Newham, East London. And that marks my 50th guest, which brings us to the end of series five. Wow, five series. Woohoo! I'm doing an air punch here on the high street near where I live, much to my children's uh, horror. Um, I want to thank all of you for you know, being so supportive of the podcast. I read all your comments, everything. Uh, the podcast is a proper pet project, you know. It's a passion project, born out of pure love. I do it no matter what. I do it if it's like two of you listening. So the fact that there's a whole community of us is brilliant. I'm sure I'm repeating myself, but with every guest, I feel like I'm adding another person onto our desert island. have got quite a formidable team here now of women, strong folk, bright women who can can handle anything on this uh, spinning place island. We're nearly there, Jess. Um, 
I'll be back with a new series in the new year. I've already got some brilliant guests lined up. I'll keep working hard at getting you the best folk. I know I've been very spoilt already, but hey, still loads more voices to be heard. In the meantime, big thanks to Claire Jones, my producer and friend, for her support. Hold on, sweepy. Uh, to my husband, Richard, for becoming the editor, even though it was never his decision in the first place, but there he is. He stuck it out. Thank you, darling. Um, and to Ella May for her beautiful art week, week on week. So artwork, week on week. And thank you to you. It's your ears I care about. Thanks for letting me rattle around in them for a while every week. Sending you lots of lots of love. If I don't speak to you before, which I probably won't now, have a wonderful Christmas. Jesse, is there anything else you'd like to add to the listeners of Spinning Plates podcast? Um... <laughs> You can have a thing if you like. Is there anything? Oh. I know. You can say happy Christmas if you want. Subscribe to your channel. Oh, subscribe. That's sweet. Yeah, we can do that. Like and subscribe. To Mummy's channel. On podcasts, Jesse, they do like, on podcasts, you do like a little five-star review thing. Maybe they give me a good review there. What do you reckon? Yeah. Okay, thank you. Thanks for the support, Jess. Ray, is there anything you'd like to say to the Spinning Plate podcast listeners? Um, Do you know what the podcast is about? Like working mothers. I have a good one. Oh, yeah? I have a good one. You um, can just say that happy Christmas if you want. I have a good yeah. one. Yeah. Comment what, um, um, what song you liked, what mummy danced to. Oh, that's sweet, sweet. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Cool. All right, right. You can just say bye. Bye. There you go, yeah. Not really my demographic, it's fine. All right, Dan. Um, see you soon, my loves. Thank you so much for everything. Have a peaceful time with it. When we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Want truly hydrated skin? Medocia's Body Care Breakthrough Hyaluronic Body Serum. It's clinically proven to increase hydration by 161%. It's lightweight, fast-absorbing, and delivers 24 hours of hydration for silky smooth skin without any sticky afterfeel. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order with code SUMMER at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com code SUMMER. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. 
entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.